Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Thanks, Randy, for getting here, bringing the whole family. I know that's a, a task. And thank you guys for being here and joining and celebrating this time with us. You know, Good Friday again marks part of the Christian calendar, events that take place that churches all over the world recognize because it is so prominent in our beliefs that we set aside time in the calendar to remember these things. And again, Good Friday is one of those times, as well as Easter this coming Sunday, where we are going to celebrate the resurrection. This is really a conclusion of what we've been going through the past three Sundays, talking about the revolution, where we've been looking at the cross, what the cross means, and how it is really a launching pad from where God did something new, something extraordinary. And it's something that's hard to embrace because of the magnitude of what it is. I don't know if any of you like or have been through to the theater where you go to see a show, whether it be Hamilton or whether it be Wicked or whether it be Aladdin, which is where my wife is at right now. She made a plan to go there before she knew it was Good Friday. And so uh, she went today. I made sure she felt guilty. Um, no, I, she has enough guilt. If you know my wife, she feels guilty enough. She felt terrible that she couldn't be here. But a, a theater production is so amazing, especially when you have a live orchestra that's there, and the synchronization that's taking place with the people singing on stage to the musicians to the lighting and all that's taking place to make this event happen. And even just in the orchestra itself, if you have a good-sized orchestra, you have hundreds of instruments that are playing different notes that are in different timing, and yet it all harmonizes together to bring about what the writer has wanted to present. And all these things are a part of the score, they call it, of what's taking place to try and make this event happening. Well, there's a life score that is going on that we are meant to follow. But a lot of times we've lost the music, right? We, we, we're not in line with the score that the creator had in mind, if we want to call it a mind, to, to present these things so that we could follow along and live a life that is in harmony with what his intention was. And so we come to the cross and we see that now we're trying to Get everyone back on the right page. And we'll start with Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Paul says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. She's not having it. This present evil age, it sounds pretty big, right? It sounds like an expansive thought here. It's not just things that are done bad. Jesus didn't come to just correct a few bad things. It's to rescue us from a present evil age. And again, we have to kind of bring an identity, this word sin, that takes place throughout. In the Hebrew and in the Greek, it has a similar meaning. It means to to miss the intended purpose or to miss the mark. It is to fail to connect to what you were supposed to connect to. And it's not just bad conduct. It's not just, you know, what was done wrong, it is the failing to connect or to follow what was your intention. And going all the way back from the garden, it wasn't that Adam and Eve ate the wrong fruit. It is that they wanted to be like God and they missed the intention of what their life was supposed to be. It wasn't just that Cain killed his brother Abel. It is that he became autonomous and he decided what was right and what was wrong to live his life apart from what God's intention was. And we can go through the Tower of Babel. We can go through Israel itself that failed its intention to be the light to the world, to be the the light post that pointed people to who the one true living God was. And all these things are a fail of intention. And it's playing the wrong chords in life. I've played in a number of bands and there's been a number of times where we are playing at an event or something is going on and someone in the band, and you all know who it is if you're you know, a part of the band, someone plays a G7 instead of a G-sus and there's just no hiding it, right? That seven, just everyone kind of goes, oh, what was that? And you see it on, I remember one person, I won't name them, but they were playing the piano and they did just that and all of a sudden he hit that chord and everything and every Everybody's body went like this, and especially him. His shoulders went up, his face let up. There's no hiding. You're playing the wrong chord, man, and everybody knows it. Everyone hears it. It stands out because it's not part of the score. It's not part of what's going on. And what we start to see in creation is there's some people just playing the wrong notes. A lot of people, we play the wrong notes, and it doesn't fit. It is missing the intention of what we were created to do and how we are created to live. And so what needs to happen is we have to get back on to this page. Now we see that the cross becomes the, the score that God is playing and it becomes the following in this line to help us to see what our intention is. And so Paul would write later on in Colossians chapter 1, or excuse me, in Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As Jesus begins this revolution, it's accomplished through suffering. It's not to accomplish over some suffering, it's actually accomplished in suffering. And if Christ brings victory through suffering, Do we think that victory is going to continue in a different way? 
Or is it going to also happen in suffering for us as well? Because we are living in a world that is missing its mark, that is failing to grasp the intention that God intended. And if we are going to start playing the right notes, it's going to stand out. And we are going to stand out and people are not going to want to hear maybe the wrong notes that they're playing and say they will try and silence us and our voice as we try to bring harmony and goodness back into the creation. You see, the revolution Jesus began and accomplished was a victory of a strange new power, a power of covenant love, of an agreement that God made, a covenant love winning its victory, again, not over suffering, but through suffering. So much so that Paul would write in Colossians 1, verse 24, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. This strikes us because it says what is lacking, right? In Christ's affliction for us, what is lacking? It's not that he didn't accomplish what he needed to. It's that Paul is now living an example of what that was to the people who knew him. He was continuing in the same vein. And that vein is something that we are continuing to live our lives in harmony, in line with what God is doing. And it shows up in this affliction as he was suffering in the first century and at this time. And recognizing that this suffering that Christ did on our behalf is a suffering that continued through the early stages of the church and is a suffering that continues to this day. We don't experience what people in other countries experience. We have no problem gathering here, posting on social media. We're going to be here and we're going to celebrate this event. There are places in the world where you can't do that because of the persecution. And again, what they are doing is verifying what Christ has done. And they're continuing to proclaim that. Paul talks in 2 Corinthians about the example of Christ. And as I was going through this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I thought J.B. Phillips' translation of it was so powerful, and I want to go through that with you. It says, Indeed, we want to prove ourselves genuine ministers of God. Whatever we have to go through, patient endurance of troubles or even disasters, being flogged or imprisoned, being mobbed, having to work like slaves, having to go without food or sleep. Now, by now, some of us should be going, wow, that's kind of intense, okay? And if you're thinking you work like a slave, probably not as much as they were working like slaves, okay? I feel real bad about anything I complain about right now, by the way. Okay, he goes on and he says, and this we want to meet with sincerity, with insight and patience, by sheer kindness and the Holy Spirit, with genuine love, speaking the plain truth and living by the power of God. Our sole defense, our only weapon is a life of integrity. Whether we meet honor or dishonor, praise or blame, called imposters, we must be true called nobodies, we must be in the public eye. Never far from death, yet here we are alive. Always going through it, yet never going under. We know sorrow, 
yet our joy is inextinguishable. We have nothing to bless ourselves with, yet we bless many others with true riches. We are penniless, and yet in reality, we have everything worth having. How does this take place? Where does this come from? And it all points to the cross. It all points to what God was doing in Christ at that moment. I just went yesterday to a a recovery graduation. It was a NA meeting, a, a narcotics anonymous graduation. And through that graduation, they had a number of people who had been a part of the program for so long and were graduating having been sober for those many days. And also they had people who were being acknowledged for the differences that they had made. And so they had people coming up and it was very moving to hear all these people get up and start to talk about the fact that this is where they were. Now this is where they are. And this recovery has taken place. And it was something powerful to see and to understand that this was going on because they were celebrating something that was really their inability. All of them talked first and foremost about, I could not have done this without faith. It was my belief in God. And some didn't say God, they just said, I knew I could not do it to myself. It was a higher power. And so there was this acknowledgement that was taking place. And it was taking place even in this place where they had suffered and had gone through these things. Paul says, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, there's something deeper going on when they talk about this higher power. Why is it that in order to recover, you have to believe in something greater than yourself? What's going on there? What's taking place that the key to recovery, whether it be NA, whether it be AA, whether it be Celebrate Recovery, whatever it is, there is this need to believe in something greater than yourself. It has to be outside of you to bring in this power into you to bring about recovery. That where you were at needs to change to where you can be so that you get through this. There is a deeper, truer sense of reality when you embrace mystery. There is something going on that allows them to connect to a strength when they connect to something that they don't quite fully understand. There is something that takes place within our lives that is bigger than us, that's stronger than us, that allows us to get through these things. Another unhappy person. I don't minister well to two and younger. See, something's happened clearly that has unleashed this new power in the world where a belief in the invisible brings tangible results. And there's something that has happened in the cross 
that's taking place, this new kind of power into the world. Something is chain-breaking, idol-smashing, sin-abounding, and it's called forgiveness. And it's called gracious love, and it's called Jesus. And, And this is what we celebrate. This is what we acknowledge. It it isn't that first you have to repent and and get good enough. It it isn't that God's decided to stop pressing charges against you and and on this occasion he's going to change his mind. It, It isn't that you gain forgiveness by doing the right thing. What happens at the cross is not a a private transaction that takes place between you and God. What's happening at the cross is rather that forgiveness is the new reality. It is the new way that the creator is actually working. It is the new reality. It is the way that God has now doing things through the cross. It is forever changed. When Jesus said, it is finished. It meant that this is now the new way of doing things. There is no longer the need for anything else. And all it requires to be a part of this new creation is that we turn from the idols, the things that kept us from living the intended life that we were living, and turn towards the truth of who God is. And we find that the chains have already been broken. That we get to walk into it freely. To receive all the benefits of what has happened already. That there's nothing we have to do to try and attain it. It's available. And you see, this is incredible news because now we don't have to try and tell people what they need to do. You need to know all the right things to attain this forgiveness. This forgiveness is running rampant in the world. God has unleashed it. The veil is torn and God is flooding the world with his grace and his love. And it is there for anyone who will smash the idol that has kept them from living in truth to the true and living God. And this is powerful news. And all this talk of victory and what it means, as we have seen on the cross, Jesus died for our sins. And again, sins, to say it once more, is the chains by which the dark powers has enslaved humans who had worshipped them. It's the things that we worshipped instead of the truth. Those things are now broken. And once sin is forgiven on the cross, the chains are snapped. Resurrection and forgiveness are the signs. They're the score of the new creation. That is the song. It's resurrection, it's forgiveness. The cross and resurrection are asking us to grasp, or maybe really to be grasped by the fact that this new reality, this new mode of existence has been introduced in the world and it's been introduced there at the cross. This is where it takes place. This is the revolution. This is what is changing and is going to change the world. It's a new way of being human. It's been launched and it looks like Jesus. That's why in 2015, 
the relatives of all the murdered victims who were in Charleston, South Carolina, where that white gunman marched into a black church and shot all those people, all the members, family members who survived went and together they said, we forgive you. It wasn't that what you did wasn't bad. It wasn't acknowledging, you know, there's no problem with you or what's going on. What it is, though, is mind-blowing. It's saying that the evil you did has no effect on us because the love that is in us is greater than the evil you could do. And that just blows the mind. How can someone do that? How can someone say that? It takes place at the cross because it was already said, it was already done, and it's already a reality that we get to live in. And when you see that, it grips your heart because of the power that it holds. And all of a sudden you realize there is a power in this love that can't be denied. There is something about this higher power that gives us the ability to live and walk and love like he loves. But it's beyond us. It's something we are invited to. We are witnesses that this new world is coming to birth. Resurrection and forgiveness belong together. Both are the direct result, the victory that was won on the cross because the victory won on the cross was won by dealing with sin and hence dealing with death. Resurrection is the result of death's defeat. Forgiveness is the result of sin's defeat. The Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's all pointing to this. Those who learn to forgive discover that they are not only offering healing to others, but they actually are gaining healing to themselves. That the inability to forgive, wanting evil because of what someone has done, does not bring healing to us. And offering forgiveness, we find, actually gives life to our own souls. And this is what Christ has done on the cross. Resurrection is happening inside of us as we too love, as we too forgive. The wrong done to us is not given a place to take hold or to shape our lives because wrong has been done to us. Wrong has been done to you. Wrong has been done to you. I know wrong has been done to all of us in some way, in some form. Is it shaping you? Or is the cross shaping you? Are you allowing the things that have done or hurt you to be your identity or is the cross your identity? And that is forgiveness. Jesus used his final meal with his followers not only as a way of explaining what his death would mean, but as a way of enabling them to share in that death, making it literally part of their life as they would continue eating and drinking the bread and the wine. And that's what the Lord's table, communion, the Lord's supper, all these different names is talking about. It is taking this event of Christ's death 
and allowing it to be a part of our lives. As we eat the bread, as we drink from the vine, it is actually supplying life to us. And it is a a very clear figure of what has happened on the cross. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this, break bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That word proclaim is the word preach. It's herald. You announce the Lord's death until he comes. You you are preaching something every time you remember this event. What are we preaching? We are saying that what happened here changed everything. That What happened here when we take this bread, when we drink this cup, when we remember the cross, this is where God did something that only God could do that changed everything. That it changed me. It changed you. It changed the world. The the church, as it started at this place, went through incredible persecution, incredible suffering, even as we've been highlighted. And yet they could not silence their voice. So much so that Rome was actually conceding defeat and joined the church because the church became so widespread. We we can't stop this. It has been unleashed in humanity and the strongest empire the world had known had to bow its knee to a man who died on a cross, who never wrote a book, who never traveled more than 30 miles outside his hometown. Why? Because there is power in this love and it's been unleashed and it is the new reality. Whether you know it or not, it is the kingdom of God and it is being poured out in the hearts of all humanity. We proclaim this. We decree that this started something new. That the revolution of God began here at the cross. And so tonight we get to celebrate that again. We get to continue doing what they've been doing for thousands of years. Remember, not just mentally remember, but acknowledge, preach. And just like that addict who says, I believe that there is a higher power that is going to help me recover. I believe that the body and blood of Christ has started a revolution that I am going to be a part of. And we get to continue that revolution today. We get to continue this proclaiming tonight. We get to join together with the voice of the martyrs. The word martyr means witness. All those who have witnessed 
to what we are witnessing today, that this is enough to do what is needed to be done to get us back on the right page to help us be in tune with what God is doing in all humanity. Let's pray. Father, what an overwhelming idea and reality you've placed before us that we can participate in what you are doing. And Lord, as we take this time now to take the bread and to take the grape juice and partake of it, Lord, we proclaim your death until you come. We, we preach that it was enough. We, we proclaim that it indeed was finished there at the cross. And we can identify ourselves with what you've done. We can be participants in the reality that you've set. We can be playing the right notes in our life as we move forward. And so we do so, Lord, in thanks and gratefulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Randy's going to be singing and leading us in song as he does that. Come up as you feel to come and take the bread. You can dip it into the juice that is here and then you can take it back to your seat if you want to have a time of contemplation or you can partake right there at the table. Uh, we have a little bit of time so don't worry about being rushed to do this. But as you do this, may you understand what you are doing is what's been done for years by thousands and thousands of people who have acknowledged what Jesus has done for them. And may it overwhelm you. And may it connect you to the revolution that Christ has started, that you are indeed part of it. Let's partake together. May you experience that forgiveness and may you allow forgiveness to flow from you through others. May your life touch the lives around you with the power of this new reality. May the cross and what was accomplished there shape the way we think, the things we say, and all that we do. May you find yourself in harmony with the creator of the universe as he is moving through all of creation, may he move through you. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Hope to see you on Sunday. Enjoy each other's company. There's some coffee. We have decaf and leaded. Enjoy. God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.